Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. So one thing that is true about every single human being is that every single person has sinned. And one thing that is true about sin is that every single sin leaves people broken. The human tendency when we find ourselves broken is to be uh, embarrassed, ashamed. And we begin to pick up the pieces of our broken life. And we don't want anybody to know about it. So what we do is we, we stuff it away to places that people won't ever see uh, so that people don't know that we have it going on. We're trying to protect an image. We're trying to protect something uh, about ourselves, something that we don't want anybody else to know. Maybe people judge us or disown us or I don't know. But one thing that I do know is the sin that we hide is often the sin that hurts us most. And so we walk around our life carrying this sin that nobody, nobody seems to know about. And all this sin does is it hurts us. I graduated from Ozark Christian College in 2016. And if you are thinking about going into ministry or want to study the Bible, I would highly encourage you to go to Ozark. I loved my time at Ozark. But I must warn you that not every single person who goes to Ozark behaves like they should. They do not conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let me uh, share with you about my best friend, Luke, for example. My best friend, Luke, and I, we met when we were freshmen at Ozark because we lived on the same dorm floor at school. When you go to college and you live in a dorm, it is an absolute blast. We met each other uh, through dorm pranks. We were the two pranksters on the dorm floor. We became quick friends. I would light Luke's homework on fire, and he would throw an axe bomb in my dorm room. I would, uh, I would steal all of Luke's clothes so that he didn't have anything to wear to class the next morning, and then he would have all 35 guys on the dorm floor dogpile me when I was taking a nap. I would shoot Luke with a blunt crossbow arrow because it was perfectly safe, and then he would stick a milk carton or a milk jug, a gallon of milk, in my heater in my dorm room. And this was by far the worst prank that Luke ever pulled on me. Now, I have really bad allergies. Anybody else in here have really bad allergies? I had to go to an allergist when I was in high school, an allergy doctor, and they pricked my arm, my shoulder, and my back with all kinds of substances to see what I was allergic to. And the result was pretty much everything. I was especially allergic to various forms of mold. Now, most of you probably know what happens to milk as it sits out over time. But for those of you who might not know what happens to milk as it sits out over time, I want to show you this video to give you a demonstration. So check it out. So, Luke put this gallon of milk in my heater on approximately September 15th, and I didn't find it until I moved out of the dorms that year on approximately May 15th. 
The video you just watched was time-lapsed over 66 days. Luke left that gallon of milk in my heater for 232 days. My allergies were so bad that year that I almost dropped out of college to go home because I couldn't survive in the dorm. Now, I tell you that story about the milk jug to remind you of this truth. What you hide can't be healed. And I feel the need to be upfront and honest with you tonight. A few weeks ago, after my sermon, I asked you to confess some sin to your leader, stuff you're struggling with. I asked you to tell your leader about it. And tonight, I'm going to ask you to do the very same thing. Because what you hide can't be healed. And I know that everyone has the propensity to try to hide their brokenness so that nobody can see what they have going on. So at the end of my sermon, I'm going to ask you again to do the very same thing. Before we get into the sermon, I'm going to pray. So if you would, please bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me. God, I'm very grateful for this evening, grateful for the opportunity that we had to get here to study your word. I'm grateful for the small groups. Lord, I'm grateful for the scripture that we're studying tonight, James chapter 5. Lord, I'm grateful for uh, what you're going to do in our hearts tonight. Lord, I ask that you would convict us tonight and you encourage us into confession tonight so that we may be healed by the prayers of righteous people. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, we've been studying his, le- his letter, all five chapters, chapter by chapter, week by week. Now, we're in James chapter 5. It's the very last chapter of the book of James, the letter that James wrote to the Christians scattered amongst the nations. In James chapter 5, the very last part of James 5, James talks about prayer. We're talking tonight about prayer that heals, or more generally, just prayer that works. James chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 say, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. Eugene Peterson wrote the message version of the Bible. He paraphrased, paraphrased those same words in this way. Believing prayer will heal you. And Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you will be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. For the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Something powerful to be reckoned with. Would you guys be honest with me tonight? If I were to ask you the question... Do you ever feel like sometimes your prayers just don't work? Has anybody ever felt like that by a show of hands? I know I've been in that very same boat. I have a friend named Dan. When I lived in Kentucky for two summers, Dan was my very best friend. And Dan was the kind of guy who would pray for anyone and everyone about anything and everything. And this next story I tell you is not meant to sound insensitive or rude. This is just to illustrate a point. My friend Dan had a friend who was blind. And this friend who was blind, Dan's friend who was blind, one day asked Dan, Dan, would you pray for me that God would restore my sight, my physical sight that I may see? Dan was excited about the opportunity. He was stoked for the opportunity to pray for his friend to, to restore sight to His eyes. And so Dan prayed, God, restore this man's sight. And he said, Amen. The guy walked away and he walked right into a tree. That's no lie. He walked into a tree. That's not to to be rude. That's just to illustrate a point. Sometimes I feel like I offer up prayers to God and it just doesn't work. 
Man, you can do research on Google, if that's where you do most of your research for your papers at school. You can turn this research into a research on the power and effectiveness of prayer. I just Googled a few articles about this, and there's some articles out there that'll say, prayer is effective, it's powerful, it works. There's other articles out there that say when you put prayer under a microscope, it will not work. It is useless. But man, I've said this before and I want to say it again. I think that science and scripture always agree. They complement each other. God is the author of both. And so I think prayer works, proven by scripture and evidence. So tonight, I want to walk through scripture. And I want to share with you stories of prayers offered up to God and and prayers that God has answered on behalf of people. Because prayer is powerful, and the righteous person who prays is something to be reckoned with. I want to start in James chapter 5, because James starts with the prophet Elijah. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced his crops. So Elijah prayed, God, do not let it rain on this land. And for three and a half years, God did not send an ounce of water from the sky to fall on the land. And then Elijah prayed, God, send down rain. And God poured down raindrops on that land. Elijah offered up prayers, and God answered those prayers. Then you have Abram and Sarah. They were were barren. They couldn't have any kids, and they so desperately wanted kids. God was making these promises to them that that their offspring was going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But they didn't have a single son. And so they prayed, God, give us a son. And at 99 years old, God gave them a son. Also in the Old Testament, we have Hannah. Hannah had no ability to to birth a child. And she prayed desperately. And this is her story in 1 Samuel. And she, Hannah, made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her, her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back home to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, "Because the Lord, because I asked the Lord for him. In the Old Testament, there's also the story of King Hezekiah, the king of God's people, who was in battle against King Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were about to destroy God's people. And they had this ruthless reputation. Sennacherib especially had this ruthless reputation for utterly destroying other kingdoms and peoples. And he was about to do the very same thing to God's people. And he said to Hezekiah, give up, surrender. And Hezekiah was saying, no, 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 no. So he went to the temple And he prayed, and this is his prayer. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the word Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So Hezekiah prayed, 
and the angel of the Lord stepped in to the battle. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. I don't want us to just look lightly at Hezekiah's answered prayer. 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian army were killed in one night. The bloodiest battle on American soil was the Battle of Gettysburg during the Civil War. It was fought on July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Over three days, 7,863 soldiers from the Confederacy and the Union were killed. 7,863 in three days. In one night, 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian army were struck dead. Why? Because Hezekiah offered up a prayer saying, Lord, help us. And the angel of the Lord stepped in and took charge. We've been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament. I want to jump to the New Testament one time to, to, to show how a prayer was answered in the New Testament for the church. James the Apostle, not necessarily, it's not the James we're talking about who wrote this letter, but James the Apostle, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, had just been martyred for the faith. He was killed because of his faith. And Peter was about to experience the same fate. He was in prison. I want to pick up his story in Acts chapter 12. After arresting him, he put Peter in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. The church offered up prayers to God, and God answered those prayers, and Peter was set free. Man, the Bible is filled with prayers offered and prayers answered. Tonight, I said that I want you to confess your sin to your leader. I want you to confess your struggle to your leader. And I want to tell you why. The Japanese have this art. It's called kintsugi. Kintsugi, for, for a lot of people who experience broken pottery, or they have broken pottery, what they'll do is they'll throw it in the trash. They'll discard it. They'll get rid of it. But not those who practice the art of kintsugi. Those who practice the art of kintsugi take the broken pieces of pottery, and they begin to, to create, recreate, to mold, and to mend, and to fasten these pieces of broken pottery together again with gold or gold dust. And a lot of people think, that the restored product is actually more beautiful than the original product. Isn't that so true of God's grace for us? And when we're broken, and then God restores us, and what we will be is so much better than what we were. I'm going to ask you to confess your sin, because when you admit your brokenness, that's when you have the ability to heal. James said in verses 15 and 16, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm gonna ask you to confess your sin because when you admit your brokenness and a righteous person prays for you, the scripture says you will be healed. You will be healed. 
I remember sitting in youth group six years ago, and I had the youth pastor who was telling me that I needed to confess my sin, I needed to share my struggle, and I would start getting sweaty and like, no, I am not about to tell other people what I have going on in my life. I had a reputation to protect. People thought of me a certain way, and I did not want to admit my brokenness. I did not want to admit my sin. I did not want to share my struggles. But I'm so glad that I did, because when I finally admitted my brokenness, that's when I began to experience healing. I didn't know before that what I hid could never be healed. And I tried so hard to hide this brokenness, this sin, these struggles from other people. But the, the further I pushed them down, the further I became hurt, the more pain I experienced. Because the sin that you try to hide is the sin that hurts you most. Some of you may be thinking, there's no way that I'm going to confess this sin that I got going on in my life. I want to read 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There may be some of you right now here thinking, no way, no way I'm going to share what I got going on in my life. No way I'm going to share my brokenness. No way I'm going to talk to somebody about all the things going on right now. No way. Because when you begin to open up your suitcase that has a lot of brokenness in it, people are going to start knowing what you got going on. Some of us struggle with lying. Man, lying breaks your character. Lying breaks your confidence and trust with other people. Some of you right now are struggling with the sin of lying. You can't seem to be a truth teller anymore, and you just don't want people to know that you're putting on a false facade, a false persona. You want people to think of you in a certain way, and so you lie so that people will see you in a certain light. You need to confess that tonight. There's other of you who are struggling with drugs. Man, I hear all the time about things that are going on at the high schools, about people who are getting involved in things. I want you to know that I'm saying confess this, not just because it's against the law, but because it's damaging to your body and it's damaging to your soul. Is it against the law? Yeah, it's against the law for a lot of you. But more importantly, it's harmful for you. And so I want you to confess that tonight to your leader if you're trying to hide that. And there's others of you who are struggling with a similar thing, but it's alcohol. You're going to parties and you're getting drunk and getting involved because it doesn't seem like on the surface it's that big of a deal. But man, oh man, it's destroying your character. It's destroying your soul, your body. Your body was not made for this, to consume large amounts of alcohol. It was not made at such a young age to ingest those things into your body. And you might not know it, but it's harming your physical body and it's also harming your soul because you're engaging in something that is illegal for you to engage in. And therefore, it's breaking your character in the presence of God because our God has called us to a high standard of obedience to the government. And the government has said, do not partake and engage and drink alcohol as a minor. And it's breaking your character. There's others of you who are struggling with selfishness. 
Sometimes, can I just admit, I still struggle with this. I want to get my way. I want it to be easy for me. I want other people to have the harder life than I have. And I'm selfish. I do things for myself before I do them for other people. And I need to confess that. And if you're struggling, then you need to confess that as well. Others of you who are struggling with filthy language. There's debates about his cussing is sin. I'm not really interested to answer that question. The Bible says to get rid of all filthy language from your lips. A lot of the times I, I said from James chapter 3, the conduct of your mouth reveals the condition of your heart. So the language that you use is not just about your lips, it's about your heart. And so if you have filthy language coming from your lips, it's a sign that you have a heart problem and you need to confess that. Others of you are going through vanity. Vanity is a sin. You really want people to look at you in a certain way. You want to look good. You care care about your physical appearance in a way that is not honoring to God, but only honoring to yourself. So you dress a certain way. You do things in a certain way. You're trying to put on a show for other people and please other people instead of pleasing God. Some of you are struggling with that and you need to confess it tonight. There's others of you who are struggling with sexual immorality. Pornography, lust, sex. You were not created to engage in those things outside of a monogamous, committed marital relationship. And it is breaking you, your physical body and your soul. It's harming you. And I know that this is a big one that you do not want to admit. And your parents will be mad. People will look at you in a certain way. But the more you try to hide it, it will only hurt you deeper. There seems to be so much shame attached to this sin for some reason. I want you to know that there's forgiveness in Jesus. One of my favorite stories in scriptures in John chapter 8, there's a woman caught in the act of adultery. And these men bring this lady to the presence of Jesus. And they say, the law of Moses says that we should stone such women. They won't even use her name. I can't imagine that this woman is feeling anything but shame. And so they say, Jesus, what do you say that we should do to this woman? And he doesn't give them the benefit of a quick answer. He sits down and he starts drawing in the dirt. And he stands up and he says, any of you who is without sin, you can be the first to throw the stone at her. And one by one, stones just start dropping on the ground and these men walk away. Pretty soon, it's just the woman and the only person who has never sinned, his name is Jesus. And he simply says to her, go now and leave your life of sin. It's no different. It's a struggle. But if you're struggling with this, you need to confess it. Because the sin that you hide is the sin that hurts you most. There's others of you who are going through things that aren't necessarily your sin. But things that have been done to you or situations you're in, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a sin. I just think it's a struggle. But I believe prayer works for this as well. 
So if you're going through depression, and I want you to tell your leader about it so that your leader can be praying for you. If you're having suicidal thoughts, I want you to tell your leader about it so that we can be praying for you, so that we can help you, so that we can get you help. Because what you hide can't be healed. There's others of you who have been through a divorce of your parents. And that pain of their sin has has hurt you, has robbed you of privileges. Maybe you're angry because of this. Maybe you're confused because of this. Man, if you're struggling with this tonight, I want you to let your leader know. Because if you're hiding your pain, because of your parents' divorce, you will not be able to be healed. You need to walk through this with other people. And the last one is abuse. Some of you have been abused at the hands of other people. It's not your sin, it's their sin. I've talked with people who've experienced abuse and they talk about the shame they feel because of somebody else's actions. They now feel dirty. They now feel disowned. If you've been abused, I want you to tell somebody tonight. If you're struggling because of a situation in your life that you know is wrong and you've never told anybody about it, then I want you to tell somebody tonight so that your leader can know and they can be praying for you. I know it's going to be hard to confess these things, to share these struggles that you may be going through. But you will never find healing if you don't share. You will never be put back together, healed and whole, if you don't share. Because what you hide can't be healed. I'm going to say a prayer. And once I say amen, I'm going to ask that you head to the corners of the room. There are pens and paper. I'm going to ask that you write down in as many words as you need to the sin that you're experiencing, the struggle you're going through. And your leaders are going to spread out throughout the room. And I want you to give that paper to your leader. I want them to pray for you. And they will pray for you. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Many of you are going to be tempted to hide, to not write it down, to not share. But I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to implore you. Share. Admit your brokenness to your leader because what you hide can't be healed. Would you pray with me? God, I'm very grateful for this evening. I'm grateful to be able to open up the scriptures to study. God, I'm grateful to be able to open up the scriptures to look at Jesus and get a clear picture of Jesus. God, tonight as these students are wrestling with their sin or with their struggles, their shortcomings, Lord, I ask that you would give them the courage to share tonight what they have going on. God, I ask that you would cast out all fear with your perfect love and allow them to write down on those slips of paper the things that are going on in their life, whether it's their own sin or the way they've been affected by somebody else's sin, Lord. I ask that you would just give them the courage to share tonight. Lord, you said in your word that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So Lord, I ask you tonight, as these students share their sin and share their struggles, that you would bring healing in this place in the name of Jesus as we offer up our prayers to you. You've done it over and over again, time and time. When we have offered up prayers as your people, 
You have responded and answered our prayers. So Lord, tonight, I ask that you would answer our prayers as we offer them up to you. And I ask these things in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.